Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the June 21st, 2022 edition of Ask a Leader. Today's primaries are happening in the District of Columbia, Virginia, and a runoff in Georgia. Actually, it's the Secretary of State that's going to run against the chief witness at the hearings today, January 6th. As well, then I've mentioned it's the fourth hearing of the January 6th Congressional Oversight Select Committee. They're resuming right after the airing of this edition of Ask a Leader. Today, my guest is Irvine Mayor Farah Khan. In advance of the fall municipal election season, she requested an opportunity to speak. We'll talk with her about her record, her performance, and her connections. So subjects of which have been the focus of our attention on previous Ask a Leader programs. It's a democratic story with a small D that runs through Armenia to Anaheim to the authority, the Orange County Public Authority. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Thanks for staying tuned. That township track that I bought in Johannesburg back in the 90s. I just love what the mood it puts me in. I hope it puts my guest in a fine mood and all you listeners in a samely, finely mood. My guest for the, the largest share of this hour is Irvine Mayor Farah Khan. She was elected mayor in November of 2020. She was first elected to the city council in 2018. She founded First Drops, an interfaith organization for parents with young children. She served as executive director of the Newport Mesa Irvine Interfaith Council. Um, She's a member of the Orange County Sheriff's Interfaith Advisory Board and the steering committee for the Irvine uh, Global Village. Previously, her earlier appointments include Irvine Services Commissioner, Deerfield Elementary PTA President, and Middle School PTA Board. She served on the school site council at local high school. So, previous to her family run catering business, she was a senior supervisor at Chiron Corporation and a quality assurance manager at Northview Pacific Labs. Since becoming the mayor, she posts as her achievements a role in Irvine becoming the first city in Orange County to spearhead the COVID-19 vaccination clinics in local neighborhoods and senior centers, passing the HERO pay for frontline grocery workers, creating a new committee focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and adopted a resolution with strategies to support achieving carbon neutrality by 2030. We'll get to some of that, those goals later. She serves as a board member of the Orange County Power Authority, also a topic for today. And uh, are you currently with Horizon Consulting? No, I'm not. Okay. She comes to us today from her office in Irvine. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Mayor Farah Khan. Thank you, Claudia. It's great to be here with you. Well, thank you. So I, I want to shake out a lot of things. I've, a lot of, lot of people all over the community have so many questions. I hope we're going to get a chance to cover it all. And so um, there's first the matter of the Turkish-American connections that run to your office, your and sort of your political connections. So uh, there was the 
concern about a video that showed you having sharing a bit of a joke with a Armenian genocide denier, Mr. Ergun Kirlikovali. And I'm sorry for stumbling on the name. Um, and I did practice that, though. My goodness. And so I want to know. We we've got following the release the public the video that I I'm sure you knew you were being filmed. That that's first thing I want to establish. You knew people were filming you at that gathering. Yes, and oh. um, and that's where the clarification needs to come. I think the transcription in that video uh, doesn't match the words that are being said. And um, for me, you know, I meet with all community groups. Uh, anyone that is interested in, uh, you know, working with the city or, or, or wants to meet with me, my doors are wide open. And so I meet with a lot of different community leaders, different community groups um, from all backgrounds. And, you know, internationally, there's a lot going on uh, in our world. And a lot of times these groups have uh, conflicts with each other. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm a part of those conflicts. And I think what's important here is the fact that, you know, as I'm meeting people, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, they're coming with concerns that I can help them with at a local level. I'm not an international leader. I'm here to serve the city, and that's my job. Well, at Mayor Khan, what did the transcription get wrong? In the transcription, it basically claims uh, that uh, what was being said was that... Um, uh, we wanted to see Armenians disappear, and um, and I my response is I'll eat it I'll eat the Turkish delights in front of them, and that's not that doesn't even make sense. And if you listen to the words of what uh, are being said, they don't match the transcription. And this is something that I'm actually having a professional group review and um, and really come out with a report. And in the report right now the preliminary findings are that, yes, the transcriptions do not match the words that are being said. And so, you know, beyond that, uh, I have met with the Armenian group. I've, I've had meetings with them. We've come up with some solutions um, that really before I, I was not approached by them. So this was my first encounter. And I think where we're headed now is, is in a good spot. I mean, we're looking at possibly doing some sort of a memorial uh, place or a garden in the city uh, we're looking at working with IUSD to make sure that, you know, when we look at genocide, we're recognizing each and every one and, um, and educating our community because there have been genocides throughout history. And we want to make sure that our youth, our next generation, understands the implications of, of the genocide. So a lot of good has come out of this where we are definitely moving forward. And, and I look forward to building that relationship. Are you aware of Mr. Kirli Kovali's disposition regarding the genocide. Did you know his background? Because he's been very vocal. Internationally, people associate him with genocide denial. Are you aware no, of that? No, I did not. You did not know that. Okay, that's that's really critical. And I and I guess I'm I'm not familiar with some sorts of Pakistani sort of um, no-goes, but I guess I want to put you in the position of the Armenians if you were to see one of them meeting with a Pakistani-American emissary and they make a joke about, you know, they didn't partition, they, uh, Modi didn't go after and finish off all the Pakistanis or something, uh, if there, there was some kind of a denial of the, the right for Pakistan to exist. Oh, absolutely, it, Claudia, and that's why my apology came out. Even though I claimed that I did not say those words, 
I did apologize because I know how hurtful it is. And I was the one that issued an Armenian Genocide Proclamation two years in a row prior to this video even coming out. I was the one that, um, you know, made sure that I was open and inclusive to all community members. And so the apology comes from the fact that I understand how painful that, that must have been. And, and again, the important part is the fact that we met, that we are working together, that we are moving forward. And, and this is a, a situation where, you know, it becomes a learning opportunity for everyone. Well, I think I'm, I am going to belabor this because uh, lots of people are listening. I got, I got a lot of, of uh, tweets. I got a lot of DMs after my interview with Kev Abizajian, I believe it was in April, and they they thought, well, I was doing enough whataboutisms, and I, I said, well, you know, her, well, well, so I know they're listening, and so we're gonna we're gonna really be thorough about this and really intellectually honest about all this. So I've seen some of those apologies. You took a couple of goes at it. The first one was the kind of apology many people would say is a non-apology. So walk us through how you crafted the first apology, and then how you crafted the second apology. Well, the first one was just, you know, hey, this is not what I said. This is not what the conversation that I was involved in. And um, really, it felt like a political hit because I was in the middle of getting an early endorsement from the party for my re-election. And this is something that Kev Abizajan has done prior when I was awarded by the DPOC um, last year, um, you know, he came up with a, an instance where that's a Democratic he out Party a video, County. Just um, so that I spoke at an uh, um, Azerbaijan event, an event where you know Senator Josh Newman said the same words. Well, but we'll go to he that. Wasn't attacked, we'll I go was. to that. We'll, fi- we'll talk about that as a separate item. But we're talking about your crafting. The there were two right, bites so that of that was apple. That's the reason behind my first one. Was it felt like it was another attack by the same person? around the time that was critical uh, towards my re-election. And then when I heard about, uh, I learned a little bit more about, you know, the person and uh, his response, then I really got um, to understand that this was very critical. And my second apology was very much heartfelt for the community, letting them know that that is not something that I associate with, that I do not deny the genocide, and that I do stand with them. And then, in fact, I even told them that, you know what, um, uh, I was going to donate to their educational fund, which I already have. And so that really came from a place of then understanding what was going on, the impact of what was going on, and making sure that I made myself stand out clearly. Well, I, I'd like to send a memo out to everybody, and we're all flawed. When If anybody ever issues an apology, the words that somebody, an advisor, inserts into their talk is, if anyone was... Um, and if anyone, if people were hurt by this, the if and were hurt, it's a it's a such a non-apology that it, it really offends one. But I, I want to go to the setting where that first and I'm not sure this timing was it like about was it like a week in between the two apologies? Wasn't very much. I don't think it was. a Maybe it was. I'm not sure. OK, so but at that time um, that the uh, the. The gatherings, let's see, in October of 2020, you're talking the campaign, that is when Artsakh, the Republic of Artsakh, was under attack. There was an aggression against them. So I think it's tone deaf for a democratically elected 
official in the U.S. to to have to miss out on that timing of the. I know you had to walk and chew gum while campaigning. I I get that, but that we, video was from November after I had won. So it was no, that video, I won the I'll campaign. go to the Azerbaijan then. That that's the timing that was that was right on smack on top of the incursion. So, so anyway, I I want for the listeners to understand we're we're covering what kinds of apologies and gestures and when you sort of equivocate in the first round and then you get more deeply into an apology the second round. That means the gestures have to be. 100% full-on, uh, culturally competent, historically, intellectually honest. And how are you, you, you mentioned a few gestures, but how are you uh, other ways that you are going to make really good on what uh, appearances were offensive to constituents in the, the city as well as in the region? What additional gestures that are going to really bring it on, bring it home? And, and your relationship, will it continue with uh, Mr. Ergun Kirli Kovali. Uh, what is your well, relationship Claudia, I've with him? I've already stated that I, I no longer have a relationship with the gentleman. And uh, I think I already stated that, you know, I've met with the community and I'm going to continue meeting with the community. We're currently working on finding a site in the city. Uh, their asks for me were to um, find a place for a small memorial um, garden of some sort or a sculpture. And we're looking for that space together. Uh, and making sure that they are recognized. Uh, we're working with the community and IUSD to make sure there's an educational component as well. And these are really good steps that are coming from the direction of the community to move forward. And I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Well, I I don't. Where will we see your uh, your new interpretation, uh, your new transcription of your meeting with uh, the exchange of the Turkish sweets? Where, where, how will that be issued out there? I don't know yet. I don't know how that will be issued. But right now, my goal is to make sure that the relationship that I've built now continues and it grows. Okay, because I think everybody was, is going to be leaning pretty hard and f- tipping over to hear how you interpret that. You want us to hear your interpretation of that. And it may still be subjected to... Because uh, I, I learned... I learned an odd thing, uh, an interesting thing about the expression death to something. And whenever somebody says death to something, there is a culturally competent understanding of what that means. And uh, it was explained in the tour publisher, uh, Rick Steves, of all people. And at this point is really um, this is getting at cultural competence. And so he was in a cab in Tehran or something like that. I believe. I think it was Tehran, uh, Mayor Khan. And her, his taxi cab uh, driver was so frustrated with inordinately messy, um, unmovable traffic. And he said, death to traffic. And so it didn't mean he was going to take an Uzi and level all the traffic. The death to traffic was not a way of expressing, I want to end something about which I have no control over. And when we hear death to something, I think it's important that we understand not to take it literally, but take it figuratively as it's overwhelming me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm under its control and I wish it would stop. So that's going to play into exactly the kinds of words and phrasing 
and, uh, and, and tone. I mean, everything is going to figure into that translation. So I hope I'm on, uh, I'm on your short list of people that will see th- that interpretation. And it, if, it, if you know what you meant, it shouldn't take too long to come up with that. Right, and then we'll see what happens with that. I'll definitely keep you posted. Okay, well, I appreciate that. I really do, Mayor Khan. So, and of also concern, it was the commemoration of the Azerbaijani, it was a 103rd year uh, Azerbaijani democratic uh, commemoration. Let's talk about your gestures uh, since you were elected mayor. So that was happening, that commemoration was about the time, it was right after the aggression of Azerbaijan against Armenia. It was an all-out war. And so at, at that time is when you had figured into this elaborate, I only saw 57 minutes of it. So I want to know, had you seen the, were you aware of the other people that were contributing in the capacity similar to yours? Were you aware that all those people were going to be saying something? I knew who the guests were, and um, there were quite a few elected officials uh, on the call. And did you know what their content was? The content it was just the celebration of uh, the Azerbaijani independence. So, but the what struck me was it had a similar ring. It was almost identical content from one guest to the other, which heavily suggested to me that it was delivered for the person to to present in that commemoration. Did you write your own words or was it prepared for you? No, I wrote my own words. I did my research online on Azerbaijan. I um, mentioned to them some of their successes and what they've been able to accomplish and congratulated them. Did you did you hear the others later on after the um, the whole production was finished and uh, sent out? There, there were different platforms, but the one that's still in existence is the one, I believe, on... I think it's Facebook. The YouTube isn't available. So did you did you see what the other one said eventually? I was only on during the elected officials portion of the greetings and then I came off. Okay, so you never heard them. So you could compare and realize as the rest of us who watched the whole 57 plus minute commemoration that there there was I mean, some of them were almost identical deliveries. So and so you never heard those. No, I did not stay on. So, and you did not know what the Azerbaijani consul was going to say after everybody's delivery. I was asked to come and give a few words, just like I'm asked to come on and say a few words for many other uh, organizations, many other consul generals. Um, And my job was to come on, congratulate them on their independence and move on. Okay, but I'd, I'd like for us to both explore the importance of knowing it's sort of like when you sign a petition, you should know what's in the petition, correct? (laughs) Or a contract. You need to know what's in there, right? Right. And so when I continued viewing this 57-minute commemorative piece, there, there was then the consul making a claim that the reverse of the actually happened. He said that Armenia was the aggressor against Azerbaijan, and then he went in to talk about the, uh, it was some kind of, uh, frankly, pretty bizarre. He talked about the green technology, the leading a technology that eliminate, that removed the landmines that the Armenians put down there. 
And so, and then there there was uh, much uh, cultural uh, offerings. It was resplendent uh, with the amazing backdrops and moving music. But you were not aware that that claim was made of who was the aggressor at the time that everybody was commemorating this uh, um, uh, democracy. Like I said, Claudia, I came to give my greetings, and and then I I left. Uh, this is pretty much the the way that um, we do. Uh, the requests when we're asked, and, and you know, without uh, beating this down uh, over and over again, uh, I would just like to say that, you know, it has been a learning experience. I've gone through the same situation uh, between organizations between Pakistan and India, um, but I have been able to work with both groups and have uh, moved forward. Same thing with um, Israel and Palestinian issues, but I have a strong relationship with the Jewish community and a strong relationship with the Muslim community. Again, it's all about you learn something and then you you take that and you make the most of it. You make it better. You learn from um, the community and you build from the community. And that's a path that I'm looking forward to being on. I am not interested in going back over and over again um, to talk about what went wrong. Um, yes, there were some wrongs and I admitted to them and I learned from them. But at this point, I'm looking at building that community relationship and moving forward. Well, the legacy, so that's what's important about really probing and uh, taking a good look at all of this is you as a democratically elected woman in the U.S. of A. in Southern California, you were in effect giving democratic cover to two autocratic regimes, both in Azerbaijan and in Turkey. And I'm going to put myself, Mayor Khan, in a place of a, let's say, a a democratic institution builder, a democratic activist in Azerbaijan or in Turkey. And I would be very concerned, I'd be offended, frankly, if a democratically elected official gave uh, cover support to my strongman leader in my country. Would would you not feel similarly if you were a democratic activist in either of those republics? So the greeting did not come as a democratic activist. The greeting was for the community, right? So there are plenty of Azerbaijani community members in Irvine. There are plenty of Turkish community members in Irvine. Just like there are plenty of all other kinds of um, ethnic backgrounds in Irvine. And so really my point is just to be out there and support that community, Uh, you know, give them that support. Beyond that, I'm not politically involved in any other countries or taking part in any of their, uh, you know, discussions. This is really community-based. And again, I'll say it over and over that it was a learning experience. And and from that, uh, you know, I'm I'm, going to be a little more careful in the future. Well, if you are on record as giving them an endorsement of their regimes in that sense of what you spoke of in November 2020, is it also important for you to speak to those citizens, those activists there and say, I support your democratic institutions and I hold your leaders accountable to being a to being democratic, uh, to espousing democratic values. Do you have a a gesture ready to send to the Azerbaijanis and the Turkish activists who need to get more democratic support around the world? Claudia, I'm not getting any more involved in international relationships. Um, it's really important for me to focus here locally 
and to support the communities that are here in Irvine. Okay, we will leave it at that, and we will watch as opportunities arise, and we, we may find opportunities for you to, to express full-throated support for democratic institutions everywhere around the world. For those of you who've just joined us, this is Ask a Leader, and I have on today for the larger share of the hour, my guest, Irvine Mayor Farah Khan. And so I want to move now. We're talking about democratic institutions. We would like to discuss here, or bring up the Orange County Power Authority. It's it's dealing in a very competitive electricity market, and climate action was the plan that has it's veered off the uh, path that it was on, where we uh, have appointed CEO and staff that do not mirror the kinds that do not bring the kind of qualifications that would keep the climate action plan on the path to lowering the carbon footprints and to lower the rates that was the original dog and pony about this uh, community choice energy effort. You were involved in the early parts, but I want to talk about the CEO, Brian Probalski's qualifications, and what are you going, what do you have in the works about putting in place someone who could lead, who actually has the proper qualifications to steer this ship, which has so many financial uh, liabilities associated with it as it, it's starting to gear up and move from providing service to business customers and later to residential customers in October. What, uh, what is your plan for CEO Brian Probolsky's affiliation with the Orange County Power Authority? So, Claudia, if you've been following the situation, uh, you know that we're in a bit of a legal battle right now, and I'm very limited with what I can speak on. Um, what I will say is that, um, you know, we are making sure that uh, we have an RFP ready uh, to hire, uh, and that's pretty much as far as I can probably speak at this moment. Well, we all are – we've been – persevering and uh, persisting in getting a look at the inner workings. And I think you would agree that many, much of the transactions have been very opaque. Bids have gone out without any competition. There have been huge lines of credit that haven't had the kind of scrutiny. And that's what led up to the special session at the city council last week. So uh, um, the whistleblower arrangement, uh, it does it does kind of hint at that there is a bit of a, a working relationship between the general counsel, Ryan Barron, and CEO Brian Probolsky. Do you have any kind of work that you're doing toward considering the appointment of the Orange County Power Authority's general counsel, Ryan Barron? Yeah, I can't speak on that at this moment, but I would recommend everyone to watch the city council meeting um, um, from June 14th, the special session. It's on our website at cityofirvine.org and get the details there. Beyond that, I really uh, am not able to speak on this item. So to all of these points, I'd like to know, Mayor Khan, what was the impetus for you 
providing the second vote to agendize the special setting session last week to consider the Orange County Power Authority um, measures here, to consider the audits. What changed your mind about giving that? Since there's been about six months of a hue and cry for that, there's been a year and a half of questioning the CEO's appointment. So what's what happened leading up to last week's agendizing the uh, request for an audit? Nothing more than uh, I, I think transparency is great. Uh, it, you know, it's important. But at the same time, prior to that, we were very focused on our commercial launch um, and making sure that that went well and that was successful. And it has been, um, you know, with uh, average uh, folks of 10% dropping out, we only had 5% dropping out and 70% of those uh, remained in the 100% renewable tier, which is really, really a great opportunity for us. Um, so my focus has been on making sure that we had the launch that was successful, that businesses were involved. Um, after that was done, uh, when this item came up, and I, I supported it because, yes, I believe there should be transparency and we should be able to do an audit anytime. And secondly, you know, I've had a few issues of trying to get items on the agenda um, especially the special meeting that was requested. So I wanted our legal counsel to look into that as well. Uh, okay, that's um, I, transparency, though. To us, transparency means at every point you bring your public along. We can understand. I mean, like I, I tried to call the uh, the number that's on the website for the Orange County Power Authority and and have you have you used that uh, number ever the eight six six number? I've used it multiple times, and I've gotten uh, you know a person responding each and every time. I've recommended others to do so as well. Well, I I think without the title of mayor, I didn't do as as well. I don't I, think they know I'm calling when I'm calling. <laughs> okay, well, I think I think they know your voice, and uh, but I I called the eight six six two six two seventy six ninety three. And it was an answering service. So that's one of the many contracts that Council Member Agron was asking for this audit to find. We wanted all of that broken down. So you have used it. But, uh, I mean, if everybody tried. And I, I wanted to find out, you know, about the special session that had everything to do with OCPA. And the, there was this kind of, a, I don't know, it was a little kabuki theater that the person said, I'll get back to the, the it was sort of non-entities. And I, I, I didn't know where this person is. It didn't have the feel of it's being Orange County Power Authority, but it's sort of like calling uh, Manila and getting my AT&T bill adjusted. It was very, uh, it, I mean, it was it was somewhere here, but it was it was not transparent. And so let's in the transparency theme. So how, Mayor Khan, familiar are you with the staff that is supporting CEO Brian Probolsky? How acquainted are you with all of the staff? I am not. I haven't been in the office um, uh, to meet with them. I've met a couple uh, here and there at events, uh, but I'm not very familiar with them. Because there have been questions about how to find out who they are. So the, uh, carrying the transparency well, their, thing. Their names, their titles, their backgrounds are posted on the website. Um, so they are available on the Orange County Power, uh, dot org website. Well, the ones, the business relationship managers and those, they are not on there. And so you can find them elsewhere. But but for many, many uh, weeks or long months, uh, when the CEO was requested for who whom he hired, that those answers 
were uh, they were left unanswered those requests. So, and when one does look at them, we're still struggling to find someone who's been in the energy field because we know you and I know, and most people know that energy trading is very elaborate. It's a very fluid, it's fast acting uh, kind of a market. And if people that uh, are competing with with other entities that have been in this business for 80 or 90 years, we can't have somebody who's run a photography business or is a uh, fresh out of a, um, you know, a Pepperdine undergraduate uh, major. And then they've worked for some Republican uh, representatives with those. Those people don't t- speak out as having energy background that are working with uh, pro- the relationships of the the business clients. So I think it's important that you have an acquaintance with them and you know and you can say, yeah, I know them and uh, uh, and we're looking into how the the CEO can beef up the staff because um, it's it's not it's not very helpful. So I wanted to ask well, about Claudia, I'll tell you this again, because we're in the midst of a legal issue, there's a lot that I can't speak of, but I'll tell you this that I am aware of what's going on and I am taking action. I just can't share what that action is right now. Uh, I don't want anyone to feel that I just don't know what's going on there. I know exactly what's going on, and um, I'm taking the appropriate action necessary. It's just I can't share it with you. And when we talk about transparency, you know, I'm looking at the uh, Orange County Power website right now, and they do have a list of um, their uh, employees on here. Um, but that's new. It, that's it's that's, that's took work. sure that, you know, people understand that, there are certain legal documents, there are certain transactions in the energy field that we can't make transparent because of competition. So, so everyone needs to understand that we're going to be as transparent as possible, but there are some areas where we can't be because, again, we are competing with a whole lot of other people when it comes to energy procurement. So I guess I'm... I'm- Going to just it occurs to me. I this is not a snarky comment. I, it's just something that occurs to me in the moment of talking with you. And I really appreciate all the time that we're having together to do this. Lots of people are interested in this. So I'm saying I, an analogous situation of what we're faced with, but it's not nearly as heady of of, of stakes. But let's say you're running for re-election of the city of Irvine as you're running for mayor re-election. And would you go to a reputable and experienced, seasoned public relations uh, or a campaign uh, sort of um, I don't know exchange? Would you go to them, or would you go to a, a culinary association for a representative? I mean, that's how I think it feels to me, like the people that have been appointed to the staff positions at the Orange County Power Authority. Again, Claudia, I I can't speak on this topic, but I'm going to again state that I know what's going on. There are actions being taken. We just can't share them right now. But you understand the analogy that I'm using. I understand it, and I understand what's going on. Uh, It's just we are at a point, if people clearly followed the Orange County Power Authority, not some political newspaper, not some blogs, but actual meetings, uh, they would see that what had transpired and what we are trying to work on right now. And it's getting to a place where there's two things that are happening. There are people that want the power authority to end, 
and there are people that want to fix the power authority. I'm on the side of fixing it, making sure that it runs for a long time, that it's successful. I do not want to see the power authority burn to the ground. That is not my intention. And when you want to fix things, it takes a little while. It takes effort. And sometimes there are legal matters that have to be taken behind closed doors. That's exactly what we're doing. So um, I guess, well, there there are a lot of unorthodox things that are op- come off of the it's more the charter, not the website that that talk about that every board member will be uh, remunerated for a meeting they go to, and these things are they're not trans. It's not clear what constitutes a meeting. So there are lots of examples where, not where there's a legal challenge involved at this point, but what constitutes a meeting, and it could be uh, what what are you? Can you help us define what you mean by a meeting that you all are remunerated for that and at a tidy amount? Uh, I get paid for attending the board meeting. And if there is a subcommittee that I'm on, just like with any other JPA, I sit on TC, the toll roads. Um, We have meetings with the vector control. There's meeting with the sanitation department. You get paid for the board meetings and subcommittees that you're on. But it doesn't say that. one other subcommittee, and I, you know, uh, so those are the only two that I get paid for. Okay, but it doesn't say it says a meeting, and so that could a meeting could be construed as so many things. So that's what I'm saying. There's all these markers that signal we're we're going to do things on our terms, and you may or may not ever find out about it, folks. And, and I that's don't for interpretation. I mean, if you want to get if you wanted that to be specified clearly, I would encourage the public to reach out and let me know. We can definitely make that happen. Well, it's there's it was, a lot of things that you know the public sometimes instead of. Um, you know, talking amongst themselves, it'd be nice for them to reach out and let us know. Uh, and if there are things that we can update or, or uh, make better, then absolutely, we're all for it. Well, I and think... I'm sorry, it's, it's 9.40, Claudia, and I do have to jump on another call. Okay, well, I want to wrap then. I just want to wrap... say all the good things that are happening in this city, which I was hoping that we could get to today. Well, uh, if we can, I want to just let you close out with uh, settling our nerves. We're pretty rattled about company that you've been keeping with the concern witness number one in the whole Anaheim kerfuffle. How are you giving us the assurance that you are working under different campaign management and that you will be more forthcoming, more accessible? Uh, We didn't get to go to the California Coastal Commission prospective appointment, but how can you settle our nerves that we are on the right path with our mayor in Irvine? Uh, we're on the right path because, one, uh, my consultant and I had a totally separate relationship. Uh, it had nothing to do with what's happening in Anaheim or what happened in Irvine in 2018 when I was not even elected. Uh, and so, therefore, you know, the statement is out there already. It's been made public. Uh, I am not working with the same team anymore. And I'll, I'll leave it with that. And, again... You know, speculation is always out there. I encourage people to follow me on Facebook. I do put a lot of good information out there uh, that is factual, not one-sided. And um, all my statements are available there as well. Well, I want to thank you so much for for being on Ask a Leader today. And um, we will stay tuned. Uh, I hope we'll get to have you back on the show in the the fall when you're running for re-election. Thank you so much, Claudia. Okay, thanks very much. My guest was Mayor Farrah Khan, 
And we had a number of other different topics, but we definitely needed to talk about the various institutions that have been less transparent, undermining of democratic values. So I'm today marks my 12th anniversary of doing Ask a Leader, and I'm good for another 12 years, God willing, and your listeners willing. And if you've missed a portion of or any show, uh, askaleader.com is where it's all archived. And if you have guest prospects, I'll remind you, you can drop me a line at cshambaugh at org. And I have one announcement before I talk about next week's show. Yesterday was International World Refugee Day, June 20th, that was yesterday. As we contemplate the global refugee crisis this year, the Orange County a Jewish Rescue um, invites you to join them becoming part of a solution because I know we all feel kind of helpless when we're watching havoc wrecked the whole country being flattened in Ukraine and you want to be able to do something instead of being just a bystander. So whether you're an independent activist, you're a volunteer or a member of social action committee, they've got a place for you to participate. I'm going to give you five ways that they mention. You can form or you can become part of a highest welcome circle to help resettle an Afghan or Ukrainian individual or family. And you can email Jackie at ocjcr.org or contact her at 714-403-7251 with your questions. You can also sign up to volunteer with the OCJCR and let them know your specific areas of interest, your, your skills, because you've got lots of them. Then another measure is to you can purchase an item at their Amazon gift registry for local refugees. I, I've learned that, you know, it's not just anything's going to work. When you've left your home in a dash from Afghanistan and you bring, there's certain ways you do your thing. And women cook in large pots. You know, we, we can't just give them a little tiny little frying pan, but a big pot is what they use for their cuisine. So... Those gift registries really fill in what is useful to them and helps them resettle. It's like a culturally competent kind of a way of gifting. You can also, another measure is to join Orange County uh, Jewish uh, Committee uh, for rescue there. On Sunday afternoon, August 7th, is their Tish Bav program at the Temple Beth L, South Orange County. And the more information will be coming. I, I hope I can get Jackie on. Um, so Jackie can so you can also just donate to support their work. So they thank all sorts of groups around, and I'll give them a little lip service here. That there's the film series that amplifies the stories of Afghan uh, LGBTQ Syrian and Central American refugees and asylum seekers. They've also since December of last year they've had direct service committee been operating a storage and distribution program that's furnished. 20 refugee apartments. I'm setting aside things and they're, I'm on hold. When they need those items that are lightly used, they know they can reach me and out it goes. They currently have nine volunteer teams resettling Afghan families. And when the Ukrainians begin, began, it's the past, they've started arriving in California, OCJCR has jumped into action, arranging short-term accommodations for new arrivals, supplying airline tickets to eight Ukrainian families to unite with their relatives, disperse emergency cash, 
aid to two families and sponsor two Ukrainian men to reunite with their families in the U.S. So that's, oh, imagine. So their goals for the upcoming year schedule, and we'll have Jackie Mender talk about that at a later show, but that those goals, they're aspiring to increase the number of the volunteer teams resettling Afghan, Ukrainian, and other refugees. I hope that includes Haitian. I know they're connected. They're going to launch an English as Second Language course for preliterate Afghan women and create a photographic exhibit highlighting the stress and demands of the war on Ukrainian women. So important. We can't look away, folks, because people are living it. So we, we don't have the luxury of looking away, but we got to be careful when we're looking away and regroup. And finally, and one, provide back-to-school supplies to local refugee families and expand their storage and distribution program. Well, I'm going to take this music break, and uh, we'll be back with the closer for the show. Stay tuned. I'm going to uh, just let you know that next week I'm going to have on a fine, fine guest. He gets the whole hour next week. He is Claremont, California theologian John Cobb on process philosophy and, as well, process theology. So that's going to be some sanity for getting us all grounded talk with you next week. Thank you everyone for listening.